Hi, I'm Victoria Moore Blakeney, performance curator at Public Energy, here with my producer, Eva Fisher. Today's episode of Curator's Corner, I'll be speaking with Amy Nostbacken and Nora Sadava about their hit show, Mouthpiece. Mouthpiece comes to Peterborough on February 23rd, 2018, 8 p.m. at the Market Hall Theatre. Nora and Amy, welcome. It's so wonderful to have you here. We're very thrilled to have your work come to Peterborough. The first thing I'll ask is, can you just describe in just a few words in your own words, what is this show to you? What is Mouthpiece? Mouthpiece is a two-woman show, and it's two women playing one woman. And it's about a woman who wakes up and discovers her mom is dead and she has to give the eulogy the next day and she's woken up with no voice. And so we follow her on a journey where she has to do a bunch of banal, seemingly banal tasks, pick up flowers, get a, pick out a dress, pick out a casket, etc. And all the while trying to formulate, trying to capture who her mother was and essentialize who, who this one woman is into a a eulogy-sized um, biography, and in trying to um, describe, trying to capture who that woman is, she looks back at the past generation, her mother's generation, who her mother was, is, and thus uh, causes her to reflect on her own generation and who she is and where uh, being a woman stands in that generation compared to her own. And so in doing this, discovers she's a massive hypocrite and uh, is not as liberated or progressive as she thought she was. And she has a massive feminist awakening. (laughs) So it's a play about that. (laughs) (laughs) Very well said. Peterborough is not its first performance. Mouthpiece has traveled all across Canada and to Edinburgh and to Los Angeles. What do you think has made this performance resonate in so many places and has contributed to its success and its touring? Mouthpiece was nominated for multiple Dora Awards and won multiple Dora Awards, including you know three awards at the Edinburgh Festival and, and more awards beyond that. So the show has really had incredible success so far. What do you think has, has its, its staying power? I think that um, particularly in the last few years and even up until, you know, a couple days ago, we're, we're feeling the weight of the lack of female voices in our society. And what Mouthpiece has done is uh, express a truth, our own truth about what we feel, how it feels to be a, a woman in contemporary society that has been really absent from the the mainstream culture. And in expressing that truth, there have been a lot of people uh, responding and saying, I, I've been, you know, I've felt or thought or said that for the last however many years, and I've just never heard it out loud before. And it, it's just resonated with a lot of women and men in terms of hearing said out loud the things that we all experience and and think that just is just starting to become okay to to be heard uh in in our society absolutely um i mean in so many ways the work is incredibly 
timely with the Me Too movement and with, you know, women speaking out in greater numbers about against abuse and speaking up for themselves and their own truths at this time. Were you sort of tapping into that that feeling back in, in 2015? Have you been sort of surprised at what's happened in the zeitgeist? Um, it's, or, it's, or, been, mm-hmm. it's just been interesting because every time we, you know, we started writing the show in 2013 and both of us were, wouldn't have, at that time in our lives, would not have identified as feminists. And when we were re- writing the piece, kind of went through a feminist awakening ourselves, which mm. is why we wrote the piece about that. But every time we've performed the show, there's been something going on in the public sphere that has made people exclaim, now is the time. Like when we first premiered it, Mm -hmm. Gian was on trial. Right. The second time we did the show, Trump was just elected. Mm -hmm. And uh, now, you know, there's a lot going on. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. So it feels like, of course, it's timely because, of course, there's always the need for women to be considered equal. Mm-hmm. And uh, things are not progressing uh, as quickly as we would like. They, uh, you know, every time we take three steps forward, we also take two steps back. So it does feel, particularly right now, like, wow, now is a massive moment in yeah. the women's movement. Yeah. But there's been so many, mm-hmm. and they continue to to be necessary. Yeah, absolutely. And it may be that there is always, it is always now is the time for an authentic woman's voice to mm-hmm. to come out and speak. Now, since the show first premiered in 2015 to now, and it has traveled so much, has it changed? Has it evolved? Um, and what's the reception been like across the, I mean, you've been as far as Whitehorse, Calgary, Los Angeles. Has Has it been fairly unanimous what the reception is or has, have you noticed in different locations it resonates differently the show has hasn't changed it's a very um as Nora said we started creating it in 2013 so it took us uh, three years to craft and mm-hmm. and we it, it's very tight mm-hmm. show mm-hmm. um it's very physical and it's it's just very tightly choreographed the whole play we've added I think two words <laughs> and changed the emotion on one of the breaths. Mm-hmm. Um, but the show itself hasn't changed, and I think the reason why audience reactions are the same, you know, it's overwhelmed uh, anywhere we take it, is because it's such a personal confession mm-hmm. that even though the audience members who are watching it might be more, you know, much more different than we are coming from different places than we do mm-hmm. versus premiering it in kind of like hipster town Toronto mm-hmm. where this play is set. Mm-hmm. The reactions remain the same, I think, just because we're just speaking our own truth and we're not claiming to speak for anybody else. So in that utterly personal, I think that's where the universality lies. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Um in Peterborough, when you come and perform here, there's going to be a talk back after the show. Is there? Has there often been talk backs after mouthpiece? And if so, we usually um, insist on them. Mm-hmm. Oh, good. And we always come out after each show to speak to the audience, mm-hmm. which we we did when we premiered, and we've continued to do because it seems for a lot of audience members, especially quite young girls and women, mm-hmm. who are maybe having this revelation in real time Mm -hmm. while they're watching it. 
uh, it's really overwhelming and they need a hug sometimes or need to cry or just need to be held. So we insist on making that time and creating a space afterwards to just talk it out. Yeah. Some people need it. Absolutely. Absolutely. In terms of when, when you are in town, you're also going to be giving two workshops, Storytelling the Body workshops with the Elizabeth Fry Society and the New Canadian Centre Women's Group. How important is, is teaching as a part of your, your practice as theatre artists? It's a really special and rewarding part of our practice. And I think also particularly the power of movement and you know both Amy and I were trained in physical theater which teaches you to tell stories through body language first Mm -hmm. um, through thinking about story and character through the body Mm -hmm. which we've often given community workshops to people who aren't necessarily professional actors and no matter what their intentions are there is a kind of power in accessing your own body and accessing your own uniqueness in how you move and how you can use your movement to create or tell stories or just feel grounded in 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 your own body Mm -hmm. um and we also always meet really interesting people and and uh get to share in a more community-based experience than just the kind of one way performance we are giving to the audience mm-hmm. um, I feel like we receive a lot when we teach as well yeah so one thing that's I think very unique and and quite special is that the the script of mouthpiece has been published by coach house books and I just wanted to ask you a little bit about how how that came about and uh, and (laughs) it came about through a lot of persistence yeah yeah Uh, we're laughing because (laughs) because we really wanted to get it published and no one would publish it it's really difficult um it's really difficult for non-traditional theatrical texts to be uh, translated and understood by a publishing house mm-hmm. that the value of the published text mm-hmm. because so much of the play is physical and musical and you know we describe it on the page but it's not necessarily easy to understand if you haven't seen it so mm-hmm. for us you know the ability to publish a, the text that we've been performing for the last three four years mm-hmm. and also for we had a lot of requests from teachers and in different institutions to buy the text to study with their students. Mm -hmm. And so we did a lot of pestering (laughs) of publishing houses. And um, (laughs) I think Coach House is a very particularly special, uh, you know, unique publishing house here in Toronto. And Mm -hmm. they've been around for so long and they have a a really broad mind in terms of what has value and what Mm -hmm. can be published. And Mm -hmm. they have been amazing to collaborate with, uh, just really like open to our ideas and it's for it to be what we want it to be and yeah and we're really pleased with the the outcome that that that's wonderful it's a it's a huge accomplishment I mean it's really difficult for for anything to get published these days (laughs) to be fair you know by you know authors of of all stripes and so to get a a script of this nature published by a you know like you said coaches is a very special um, publishing mm-hmm. house that is very restrictive also too they they only do a small number of volumes that they publish a year so that's that's really really wonderful um and unique i haven't read the the 
script. I was I saw the performance in Vancouver at Push um, last year, which was fantastic. And so, how did you incorporate all the physical or, or vocal elements, or weave them into the script? Are are there stage directions in there? Is it just the dialogue itself? We go go ahead. Uh, well, we included, I think, uh, what I imagine. I mean, it's the first. Uh, I've had published it, uh, what I imagine most playwrights do is probably include the stage directions that are absolutely necessary to the narrative and to the point mm-hmm. so there that if unless you do it in this specific way we don't think it will be communicated mm-hmm. so because so much of the show we're in unison mm-hmm. um, we included this movement needs to be in unison at this point but that because it's inher- it's it's important it's integral I should say to to communicating the point. But other things like there are three dance numbers, mm-hmm. and uh, so that's open to interpretation. There's also a lot of um, we included the score in the back, which I was really pleased about. Mm. We we said we wouldn't publish it without the score. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are a lot of which we feel is one of the most important parts of the show there's a lot of noises that we make mm-hmm. um that express I, I think a lot of people react really strongly to them because you don't often hear a woman making those sounds mm-hmm. um and those are also open to interpretation <laughs> we, we didn't uh, describe the glottal stop or whatever it is at each point but yeah i mean it, we we just combed through it and kept in what we thought was really important and and also left a lot to the imagination of whoever's going to wants to produce this play. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the vocal work for a second, just because it is so unique and so really quite incredible. <laughs> and for 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 people listening who haven't who haven't had the pleasure of seeing most piece yet, you both do a ton of vocal speaking in unison, but also vocalizations in unison and and sort of in dissonance and in harmony and. Um, a cappella, and it's very moving, very vulnerable, very open. What was it like rehearsing that versus, you know, rehearsing and developing a show that is text-based and not so vocally experimental as as this work? It's very intuitive, mm-hmm. the incorporation of music. Uh, it, it kind of doesn't feel different than any of the other components, mm-hmm. the text and the movement. It's just, I mean, we in writing, we always think of we have these three tools, movement, text, words, and music. Mm-hmm. And at this moment, so at this specific moment where she's feeling this specific emotion, which one of those f- three mm-hmm. should be in the foreground? Which one is the best of the three to, ex- to express cognitive dissonance at, of this specific kind, mm-hmm. being catcalled, for example, mm-hmm. and having two simultaneous reactions are words the best can we do it without words Mm -hmm. it's best if we can do it without words (laughs) but if you need the words let's put the words in but so music is just is it equal third um and then just the narrative of the music is itself that layer Mm -hmm. uh we wanted to make it as rich as possible so the music that's in the show uh takes you on a journey through sort of current uh modern music history in that um you know a woman's voice when we couldn't when we didn't have rights or when mm-hmm. women did couldn't vote or own property or speak up you know 
women were singing and record being recorded. Mm-hmm. So we take you through, you know, sort of um, hymns and opera and Andrew Sisters, Billie Holiday, Janis Joplin, Tina Turner, Beyonce. Uh, we take you through our abridged musical history of a woman's voice. You may not pick up on it, um, but that's the uh, mm-hmm. that's the intention. And then the layer within that is that Nora and I both have pretty pretty decent vocal ranges, mm-hmm. and we push those to the very extremes and then swap. <laughs> so so in the middle of a song, I'll have the t- be on top and she'll be on the bottom, and then we'll switch it, which is right. another reflection of you know constantly people in a play like this where there's two women we're asked, you know, who's the good one and who's the bad one, and to sort of fight against that. Right, uh, yeah. We change it. The good one changes her mind to be the bad one. It's constantly, like, changing. Mm-hmm. And this is true in the musical composition as well. We're, you're never safe. Mm-hmm. It's, so it's constantly evolving because that's how the mind works, mm-hmm. and that's how we, our emotions are not rational, and mm-hmm. we are not rational humans. Um, and I think that's something else that gets, really uh overwhelmed reactions which is mm-hmm. uh, n- that's the w- one of the things Nora and I had never seen um reflected exactly what it feels like to be a woman like it's mm-hmm. not you, often so often when you're writing a story uh people f- want it to be very neat and binary mm-hmm. and it's just mm-hmm. not so mm-hmm. um so we try to reflect that in every aspect of the show as much in every layer mm-hmm. as much as possible no, it's true. There is a fluidity there and and an inability to sort of pull apart the two of you, which makes sense because you're yeah, both right. the same yeah. woman, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's a nice way of putting yeah. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nora and Amy, um, it's been really wonderful speaking with you today. I wish we had more time. I always wish we do. Um, <laughs> but we're so looking forward to having you um, come to Peterborough and and perform here Amy, you mentioned you have a couple connections to Peterborough. Is that right? Yeah, man. <laughs> my, my brother went to Trent. My mother went to Trent. And uh, almost all of her seven siblings went to Trent. There's a soft spot in my heart for Peterborough. <laughs> and we're getting you to Trent Radio, so there you go. Exactly. <laughs> That's wonderful. Well, thank you both so much. I hope you have a great rest of the day, and we can't wait to see you here on the 23rd. It's our pleasure. Thank you so much. Curator's Corner is a production of Public Energy. Public Energy is artistic producer Bill Kimball, performance curator and podcast host Victoria Moore Blakeney, and myself, Eva Fisher, the administrator and podcast producer. We'd like to thank Rob Fortan, who composed and performed our theme music which is also performed by Susan Newman and M. Glasspool. 